Excellent. It's a, an honor and a privilege for me this evening to be here and to share with you the word of God. When Steve asked me, I got nervous because I didn't know what to expect, you know, with this COVID and all the people, you know, thinking I must just stay home and just relax and everything else and I'll watch on TV or something like that. And so I was a bit nervous, but I, when I prayed, I felt peace and I'm so excited to be here tonight. Thank you so much for making an effort to log in, to register, to make it here, to be sitting in a service for an hour and a half with a mask on. Hello? <laughs> Something that is not so common to do, but we are all getting used to it in all, you know, where we find ourselves um, today in our country, in our nation, regarding this whole COVID-19 thing. So without any further ado, I would like to jump right into the scriptures today. Steve asked me that we are, we are doing this, the, the, the series around going back to basics. And I thought about going back to basics. What does it mean? And then he sent me something to read through and to understand again what it means to go back to basics. Back to basics, it's simple. It's all about lifting the name of Jesus. It's all about lifting the name of Jesus. It's all about putting Jesus in the place that he belongs in our lives, in our circumstances, in who we are. Jesus must reign supreme. And so when he asked me to, to share with you, I was excited about it because that's actually the true place where we should start. I don't know if you've ever been to a mall for the first time. I did it when uh, Mall of Africa opened up. That place is huge, people. If you've never been there, I think they have about, I don't know, over 20-something entrances and exits. It's crazy. And so I went there. And every entrance has something quite interesting. They have a place where when you go in, you find this big board, and it has like the whole map of the whole Mall of Africa. And there's this small little icon, you know that GPS icon? And it says, you are here. You are here. Why is it important that you know where you are? Because if you do not know where you are, you will never know where you need to go. You'll never know what steps you need to take to get where you need to be. And so back to basics tells us again about where we are. It's something that says to us that you are here. And so tonight I want to jump right into it. I will be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10, excuse me. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, I will be reading from verse 10 to verse 13, and then I will also read from chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. Uh, the scriptures, if you don't have your device or your Bible, they're going to be here in the front. Sorry if maybe they might be a little bit small. We assume that all Christians bring on their Bibles to church. I once heard a pastor who said that if you do not have your Bible with you, sit next to a Christian. <laughs> so um, open your device. If you don't have your device, try and read with me as I go through it. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 to 13, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. 
My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another say, I follow Apollos. Another say, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Aye, aye. Now we jump into 1 Corinthians, into chapter 2 from verse 1 to 5. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Amen. That portion of scripture is extremely powerful. Because Paul is addressing a division. The church that he started, which is uh, the current congregation, they had two groups of people. They had the Jews and the Greeks. I don't want to go too much into the history. You can research that. But they had the Jews and the Greeks. And the Jews wanted a sign to prove that you are from God. And the Greeks wanted wisdom to prove that you are from God. And so when he addresses this, he has this mind in, uh, that, that the people in, those, in that congregation, they had a divided approach to who is clever and who is powerful? Is it Christ? Is it Apollos? Is it Paul? So they are divided. They are wondering who is the most powerful of them all. And so Paul writes this to address that the divisions that, that are being caused by this discussion, they are not necessary. They are not necessary. And so the title of my message this evening is this. Beware of potholes and distractions ahead. Beware of potholes and distractions ahead. Why potholes? Why distractions? Because when Stephen sent me a PowerPoint, I saw the road and I thought, wouldn't it be a good, cool title? Beware of potholes and distractions ahead. I don't know if you've been to a highway road where they say potholes ahead. I don't know about you, that sign always bothers me. Why aren't they fixing it? <laughs> so, potholes and distractions are very, very important. The Jews and the Greeks in this congregation, they were concerned about wisdom and about power, about who's better, about who to follow, about who is clever. They stopped following and living out the life that they needed to live, which was to lift Jesus up, to put him in his place, to acknowledge his lordship over their lives, over their community and congregation. You see, for you and I, the devil really doesn't mind much about you sinning. He doesn't really mind much about your success. He doesn't really mind much about what you do. The biggest weapon of, an, of the enemy is to distract you. Anyone who is distracted will never achieve their goal. If you're supposed to study for an exam 
and you are distracted because you have to attend a friend's party. And then you stay a little bit too long. You get a little bit longer. Somehow, come Monday, exam time. They're getting hiding. <laughs> because you were distracted. And so anybody who is distracted is unable to get to their destination. And so in this congregation, Paul is saying, guys, you are distracted. Paul didn't die for you. Why are you going on about Apollos? Why are you going on about Cephas? Why are you going on about these guys? Christ is the only one worthy of your loyalty, worthy of your following. Beware of potholes and distractions ahead. Because we are all on a path, we are all on a journey following Jesus, walking with Jesus, doing what he says we must do, living out a life that glorifies him. So here's my first point. You must always remember to beware that God is always with you and he is always for you. But the biggest part that you need to understand is that only Jesus died for you. Only Jesus died for you. We must beware of following personalities. Hey, I like Pastor Lesolo, man. Hey, I like, uh, and then that one, uh, it's boring, man. You know Stephen, when he speaks, all I need is just a blanket. So I can just snuggle up a little bit. Beware of following personalities and missing out on Jesus. When you're distracted like that, you are missing out on Jesus. Why is Jesus the most important one? I've mentioned it earlier. Jesus is the only one who has the right because he died for you. Pastor Lutzula Pelis has never died for you. Why must he have a claim on you? Why must any leader, any pastor, anyone, hey, listen closely, they can be growing wings from the back. They have no claim for you because they never died for you and rose from the grave so that you can be restored to a relationship with God. Only Jesus has a claim on your life. Until somebody else dies and rises again from the grave, I will believe no one else. And so the Bible encourages you and I that we must not be distracted. This is what Paul is saying. Guys, you are distracted. You are falling into potholes. I don't know if you ever driven a car and you see a pothole and yes, just, just, as, you, just as you are driving and you thought you can, you can, you can just duck and, and drive away from it and then you hear your tire going into that pothole. It's almost like you going and hitting it, isn't it? 
You go, I. You feel for your car. You feel for your tire. And you're praying and hoping that that tire doesn't grow flat. I once went into a pothole. I was driving a TT, Toyota Tess. <laughs> I was driving a TT, a Toyota Tess. And I went into a pothole. And I knew there's no way this car and this tire is going to survive this. Two days later, the wheel was flat. When I took it back to the tire guys and to check it up, they said to me, the tire is done. I'm like, done how? Wow, woman. I just, this tire is still, you know, more or less new, Mar. I said, no, sorry, it's done. They have to change the tire. Potholes are terrible. They damage your tires. On your journey with the Lord, do not let distractions and potholes stop you from achieving and looking and focusing on who Jesus is. Beware of following personalities and missing out on who Jesus is. This is what Paul is saying to them. Focus. Stay the course. The second thing that Paul is saying, not only are they supposed to beware of falling for personal, following personalities and missing out on Jesus. They are also to be aware of following earthly wisdom and missing out on godly wisdom. And the godly wisdom, we get it through the word of God, isn't it? And in that wisdom, we are able to follow and to do what God desires for us to do. To be who God has called us to be. Whenever we are distracted, we turn to go off tangent. Tonight, maybe not tonight, ish. Maybe in the day, ne? you must try it with your car for maybe three, four seconds. If the road is clear and you're in a very comfortable place, please don't come back and say, Pastor Lotsolo said we must try. I'm just saying, try it out, be safe, you know. Leave the steering wheel for about three, four seconds. If your car starts to go like this, that car is out of alignment. The word of God is what puts us back in alignment. If you're driving and your car continues straight and it doesn't swave off, your car is in alignment. The word of God is the alignment. Now, in our own lives every day, what do you think takes us out of our own alignment with the word of God? How about the news? How about people's opinions? The world is constantly throwing and bombarding us with how we must think, how we must make decisions. Anyone or anything who can influence how you make decisions will also influence your behavior. Anyone or anything who can 
influence your decisions will always or will be able to influence your behavior. Your actions. If you are hearing stories of crime and fear grips you, you are being influenced. But the word of God, when we go back to the word of God, it tells us different, isn't it? It encourages us that God is for us, that we are able to bring a change in our context, that our world can be a better place, that we can ask for his role and his intervention in our lives. And so that's why Paul is encouraging the guys and he says, guys, don't fall in this pothole. Don't fall for this distraction. Always pursue God's word. Pursue to, to know what God says. I'm not saying don't read the news. I read the news. But I have to read my, my Bible too. To bring perspective about how things actually should be. And so it is critical as we see there. Whose opinion is shaping your world? Adverts, YouTube, Facebook, friends, likes. <laughs> whose, whose opinion is influencing your world? How you make decisions? Is it according to God's word? And sometimes you can be sitting here and say, I've tried this so many times to, to read the Bible. I can't connect. I'm bored. I don't know what I'm doing. I... Uh, Listen, there's excuses for a lifetime. Ask God what is the best one for you. I've tried the new one. I've tried the new one. I used to be sitting down and reading the word and, and you know, contemplating and writing it down, putting it on my journal. Great. But then things pick up. You know, you have kids, a wife, life picks up, and now you have to adjust all the time. And so one of the things that I found easier to do, like driving here, I can put on, um, what is this one, the Bible version app, put on the version app, put on an NIV, I have a, a, pro, a program that I chose that I want to read the Bible throughout um, the Bible in one year, and so I can play it on Bluetooth into my car, I can listen to the Bible, it's about 10 kilometers from here to my house, for 10 kilometers I can be listening to the Word of God, and so I've changed from Listening to 702, not to say that 702 is bad. I changed from listening to 702 and actually listening to the word of God. But I don't know what can work for you. I don't know what will be the best for you. Find out. It's part of seeking the Lord. Because if the word of God is not forming your opinion, something else will. There's never a place where you can say, I don't believe in anything. I don't agree with any, I'm fine just like this. No, it's not true. Because if you say, I believe in nothing, I don't believe in that, I believe, you already believe in nothing. You are called for your mind and your heart to be filled with his word to know what he says so that your behavior and how you behave and how you do things, how you, how you, how you, how you put action and motion into it, that is what will tell us what you feed your mind, 
and your heart with. What comes in must come out. <laughs> Excellent. So, the third thing that Paul is highlighting, not only is he saying to these guys, and he's saying to us too today, he's not only saying that they must be, they must be aware of, of, of following uh, you know, these, these opinions of others and, and listening to them, but also he is highlighting that they must beware of false teachers. Beware of following false teachers or false teachings. While missing out on the power of God, which is the true gospel and the message of Jesus. I wonder when I was sitting here tonight listening to the worship, does anyone here know what is the power of God? Do you know what is the power of God? The power of God, uh, I'm not asking you because it's a trick question. I don't like those trick questions because it's like, Mara, you did the homework. Why are, you, why are you asking us? Come on, you know. You know? <laughs> why do you want to sound clever now? Hey, what's wrong? <laughs> The power of God, we find it in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. It says these words. The power of God is the message of the gospel. The gospel is the power of God. The fact that God came in the flesh, died, and he rose again so that we can be made pure in God's sight and our relationship with God to be restored. That is the power of God. Life change is the power of God. When you were going a certain way that was wrong, and you turn and you repent and you live differently, life change is the power of God. Going back to basics is understanding exactly that. Beware of portals and distractions ahead. And Paul highlights them, and he says it in their, in their, in their language where they understand and they hear exactly what he's He's, he's, he's saying to them, and today, the message remains for us. Life change, victory over sin, those are critical for us. To proclaim Jesus as Lord, to lift him up. And so whenever you wonder, am I living the life that is worthy, that glorifies Jesus, that puts him in his place? Those three things, Paul highlights them beautifully. Beware of potholes and distractions ahead. The devil doesn't care if you can sin or whatever. He cares that you can be distracted. By opinions, by wrong messages, by missing out on who Jesus is, by following personalities, can throw it all at you. It's that, that stuff is thrown at us every single day, isn't it? Today, example, 
how much was thrown at you? On top of that, it's a Sunday, people. How about you? And so, when Jesus gathers around with his disciples and he commands them and he, he says to them that they are to do a communion every time to remember who he is and what he has done for them. He was pointing to these things. And that's why it is critical that he left them with that command because communion reminds us that we are not called to follow personalities. We are called to follow Jesus. Communion reminds us that it's not the earthly wisdom or the worldly wisdom we are to follow, but we are to follow godly wisdom through his word. Communion reminds us that all that we are is to be aware of the fact that it's, it's not so much about just what we want and what we think should be the best opinion or, or who's the best person out there or, or how to do, but to understand that the message and the power of God's message is the gospel. It's for you and I to know who he is and to live out a life that represents him and glorifies his name. The Lord is not complicated. Sometimes we complicate his message. But here he's making it clear. And so communion does exactly that. And so may we remember, may we remember the message and what Jesus has called us to be. That we are called to stay the course, that we are called to walk with him. And I encourage you tonight, as we have communion, commit yourself again and say, Lord, where I've missed you, help me. I want to continue to walk with me. I don't want to be influenced by personalities. I want to look at who Jesus is. I don't want to be influenced by opinions of others. I want your opinion. I don't want to be influenced by uh, false teachings and false teachers, but I want to be influenced by the message of the gospel because that is the power of God. Where life change happens, where there's victory over sin in our lives. I would like to invite you to please stand. The worship team, can they, can you guys please just come? We just want to facilitate the time of having communion. I hope each one of you have, has a cup like this, a small little cup like this. A, 
as we, we open this and we remember the blood that was shed for us and the body that was broken on our behalf, I'm reminded of a story that I once read of uh, Mahatma Gandhi. A, a woman went to Gandhi around 1930s. She took her son and she went to her son and she said to Gandhi, you know, my son is giving me problems. My son, my son is eating too much sweets. You know, if he's not having sweets, he's having honey. I'm concerned about his well-being because he's eating too many sweets. And the woman expected Gandhi to rebuke this boy because this boy, his hero was Gandhi at the time. But Gandhi, instead of rebuking this boy, he turned to the mom and he said to this mom, come back after two weeks and then I will speak to this boy, to your son. And the mother was perplexed. She was shocked. Oh, why doesn't Gandhi do anything? I mean, I made an effort, you know, to get hold of him, to be with him. And so the mom left and two weeks later, she came back to see Gandhi. Gandhi was there and she got to Gandhi and she said to Gandhi, Gandhi, remember me, I'm that woman who came with her son and I wanted you to speak to my son because you are his hero, that you must rebuke him from his you know, abuse of eating too much sweets. He's addicted, I think, to sweet stuff, honey, sweets. And then Gandhi took the moment and he looked at this boy and he said, son, stop eating sweets. Stop eating too much sweets. And then the mother said, ah, Wagandi. After two weeks, that's what you're going to say to him. I was here two weeks ago. Why didn't you tell him that he must stop eating sweets then? And Gandhi looked at the mom and he said these words. Two weeks ago when you came here, I was also eating too many sweets. And so I had to go and stop eating sweets so that when you come today with your son, I can tell him what I'm already practicing. Jesus doesn't require or ask of you something that he didn't do already. Jesus has already died. His blood was shed for us. His body was broken for us. And so he has done it all. And when he says, come, I have died so that you can live. This is a reminder of what he has done. He is asking us already because he's done it all. And tonight as we open and as we eat this wafer and we have this drink, let us be reminded again, Jesus has done it all for us. And we can live from a position of victory that is found only in him.
Amen. Father, thank you that as everyone opens and we eat, we are reminded of what you've done for us, Lord. We are reminded again, Lord, that you have called us to, to be aware, Lord, of potholes and distractions. Distractions from personalities and not you. Distractions from uh, false teachings. Distractions from uh, worldly wisdom. Distractions, Lord. I ask, Father, that this, as we eat it, we will be reminded of who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may have. That's the end of the message. Thank you so much. Have a blessed evening. Have a great, blessed week ahead. Have a blast, actually, in Jesus' name. Thank you. Amen. <laughs>